In the last few weeks, we've been immersed in images of the toxic and corrupting influence of power exercised for its own sake. We know the proverb, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. The exercise of unrestrained power and the unchecked pursuit of power by people who seek it only to dominate others has been on the rise around the world in the last couple of decades. At this point in our common experience, it is important for us to look deeply into what the Gospels have to say that would critique that rise. In Jesus' own time, the great power was Rome, and the empire sought to project an image of peace within their region, what was referred to as the Pax Romana, or the Peace of Rome. Peace was an illusion because it was brought with violence and terror against anyone who dared to buck the status quo. There was no peace and there was no justice, unless you are a Roman citizen. The gospel reminds us that if we want to know peace, wholeness, shalom, we must first work for justice. It is important to remember that the definition of justice was not everyone gets what they deserve. In the scriptural understanding, justice was a reality where, in alignment with God's vision for creation, there would be self-giving love, mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation, and inclusion extended to all. If we want to know peace, we must first know justice. In short, this is the revealing of the kingdom of God, the beloved community. This morning's gospel lesson comes from Matthew, chapter 29, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And as Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me, as is our custom. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There's a, a statement, a two-word statement that is used um, a lot, sometimes misused, power corrupts. Power itself has a corrupting influence. We, we can't deny that. When power is, is sought after simply for the sake of having power or wielding power or trying to get your own way in a situation, that power becomes toxic. 
It becomes toxic to the human spirit. It becomes toxic uh, to the community. And it gives rise to this notion of the rest of that phrase, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We see that time and time again, the history of the human community is littered with periods, with countries, with people, with regimes where the pursuit of power has been both intoxicating and toxic to the community that it has left behind it uh, a trail of wreckage. And in many of our lifetimes or the lifetimes of our parents, we have heard the stories of violence and war, degradation and depravity when power corrupts, when power becomes toxic. I'd like to to stand here with you today and say that the church for 2,000 years has been immune to the corrupting influences of power sought for its own purposes. I'd love to be able to tell you that, but I just simply can't. Centuries of the Holy Roman Empire, the Inquisition, the Crusades, the the forcible conversion of indigenous peoples in the Western Hemisphere, in the Southern Hemisphere, and all over the world over centuries. This image of a triumphal Christ and the triumphal church that because of this interpretation of who Jesus is, the church can do anything it wants as long as we invoke the name of Jesus, as long as we do it in Jesus' name. And yet just simply invoking the name of Christ or doing something, (coughs) excuse me, in Jesus' name, as if Jesus' name is the magic word, it's hocus-pocus, it's abracadabra, and will cover, as the saying goes, a multitude of sins. That's not how that works. In the last 25 years, as there has been a growing tide of authoritarian sentiment around the world, and even in our own country, we see again the corrupting influence of power. And we see what happens when a group of people in power will do absolutely everything they can to hold on to that power. Friends, we stand here today on the threshold of something new. What it will be, we don't yet know. But we know today, in this moment, the gospel critiques what we've seen with the rise of authoritarian influence. The passage that Joanna read, the Great Commission, when you dig deep into it, stands as a critique against power for power's sake. You look at these authoritarian impulses that are rising And the one thing that they do hold in common is that they seek authority. 
They seek to dominate. They seek to control at any measure. We've even heard it in this country in the last week about dominating streets, about controlling protesters, about even hearing military people talk about controlling battle space, a, a conversation that's usually uh, reserved for far-off lands, far-off battlefields, the streets of this country being talked about as battle space. These are the words and these are the impulses of people who seek power for the sake of power against people who are simply looking to demonstrate for a better community, a just community, a fair community. Now, make no mistake, and I don't want to be misunderstood in this, looting, violence, destruction of property, anarchy, that is not peaceful protest. That is not acceptable. To do violence, one per, for whatever reason, to do violence against another person, to steal from people, to set fires, that's not what this is about. We see it in the lives of thousands of people across this country and across the world who are seeking redress for grievances against people who have been marginalized. Unfortunately, the, the drive for power also necessitates a need to quell dissent. People in minority communities, people with minority positions are, are, are stamped out and oppressed simply as a way of maintaining power. I was thinking about a a visual for you today. So I go to my ready standby Plato. For those of you who will be um, listening to this sermon, imagine a hand with a hunk of Plato. When power seeks to control and dominate and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze. There's no way that they will ever be able to prevent escape. There will always be people who will stand up outside the grip of power to make their voices known. When power seeks its own end, this is the result. The gospel lesson, though, reminds us that there's a different way to understand power. Because you see, power does not need to corrupt. God has power. God has all the power in the world. The power of creation, the power of creativity, the power of design, God has the power to make the universe. Does God seek to control power just for its own sake? God gives up the power. God shares 
the power. And we see that in Jesus. The Logos, as John calls him. The heart of God. The Son of God. The very presence of God. With all that power. And with all that authority. God gives it to Jesus. To be in our midst. And now at the end of Matthew's Gospel, as Jesus gathers his disciples post-resurrection, and he says to them, all power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And you know what he does? I give it to you. Jesus doesn't hold power. Jesus gives up the power to the disciples. And that power in our life, in our ministry, grows. You see, friends, we have that power. And Jesus did it as an act of humility and self-giving. The Apostle Paul reminds us that, that Jesus, though in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He took the form of a servant to teach us. And God gives up this power, again from from Paul's writing, even though humanity was in opposition to God, even though human beings, the human community, wanted to go their own way, and so many that thumbed their nose at God, we were, in Paul's estimation, the enemy of God, and yet God gives up this power to bring healing and life and transformation to the people who were in opposition to God. Power that is given, power that is shared, is power that builds and restores and heals. Jesus says in this great commission, go therefore into all the world. And when he talks about baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's not trying to encourage the church, encourage his disciples to be triumphant, Not to take the power and build this empire and build this institution. But take this power that I give you and give it away as he'd given it to them. To teach. Not indoctrinate. Not get into doctrinal differences. Not to seek doctrinal superiority but to teach through modeling. The best teachers that we had would would be the ones who could model for us, who could stand with us, who could walk alongside us and teach us the way to mentor us. That's what Jesus is calling his disciples to do. To be a guiding, a mentoring, a modeling influence in the world. Teaching them to obey everything that he commanded. 
Remember the things that Jesus taught. To love the Lord your... Well, Jesus wasn't original to Jesus, but he, he, he cast it in a way within the context of his own life. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus teaches, whenever you do this to the least of these who are members of my family, whenever you care for the people who are marginalized, whenever you care for the people who are sick or imprisoned or poor or alone, whenever you are that third person caring for the Good Samaritan and not just simply walking by, this is what Jesus teaches of all of us. And these are the building blocks for the beloved community. These are the building blocks of the kingdom of God to be peacemakers, to be merciful, to have the capacity to mourn with people who mourn, to hunger and thirst, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And hungering and thirsting for righteousness is not about, a, it's not a doctrinal statement. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst to be right with God. To be aligned with God. To see the world, to see each other as God sees us. To see the possibility and power of beloved community. Where people who are at the margins are welcomed in. Where people who are, who are ill are restored. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst for a world where there is wholeness, peace, shalom. And this is where the church has an important message to share today. Sean has a, 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 a title slide that he's going to put on the bottom of this. We see it in the protest in signs, no justice, no peace, N-O justice, N-O peace. And I can imagine, I've not heard anybody articulate this but just the general tenor of the conversation you hear, I can imagine that there are people who see no justice, no peace, N-O justice, N-O peace, as a threat to say, if we don't have justice, you're not going to have peace. A violent, oppressive threat. In fairness, maybe there are people walking the streets with those signs who do see it as a threat. But from a spiritual standpoint, from a scriptural standpoint, to say no justice, no peace is not a threat, it's a statement of fact. If there is not justice, if there is not righteousness, if there are people who are oppressed because of their ethnicity or their country of origin or their marital status or their economic status, if there are people who are marginalized and who are oppressed because of this only to preserve power for some, no justice, there can be no shalom, no peace, no wholeness. If there are any in our midst who feel oppression, 
then truthfully, friends, we all are oppressed. There's another way to understand no justice, no peace. So, Sean, go ahead and put up the other. No justice. K-N-O-W. No justice, no peace. Friends, when we know healing and wholeness, when we know um, equal protection under the law in this country for everybody, not just the privileged few, when we know justice, when we know wholeness, when we know alignment with God for the whole human community, then, friends, we will know K-N-O-W, peace. We will know shalom. We will know the beloved community. We will know the kingdom of God. To know justice and to know peace only comes when we are willing to do as Jesus taught us and showed us, modeled for us, the willingness to invest ourselves in the relationships and the restorative kind of acts that give everybody a seat at Christ's table. These are hard times, and these are changing times. Our goal as people of faith is to build a new community. To build new relationships. In times like this, with all of the unrest that we've seen, and particularly with the people who have looted and done destruction, there's a, it's, it's easy to fall into a mindset that we're trying to destroy something, that we're trying to break something down. Friends, as disciples of the risen Christ, as people who have been called to go into the world and teach what Jesus obeyed, our goal is about building up. It's not a triumphal church. The church is not a talking point for anybody. The church is not a prop for anybody. The church stands today as a witness to what is possible when we combine peace with justice. When we know justice we will know peace. We will know kingdom. We will know the beloved community. We will know restoration. We will know wholeness. Brothers and sisters, in these difficult times, in these perilous times, in these fraught times, let us follow the call, the commission that Christ has laid on all of our hearts let us use, let us give the power that Christ has given to us through the Holy Spirit 
to build this kingdom, this community together. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope you've been encouraged. If you are interested in being part of our worship experience during this time of physical separation, please join us at 9.30 a.m. Sundays Pacific Time on our YouTube channel, Redlands First UMC. That's Redlands, F-I-R-S-T-U-M-C. Thank you.